Hey everybody, Mike Dempsey here. It's NFL playoff time, and you can still win playing Underdog Fantasy by picking higher or lower on player stats at underdogfantasy.com. Sign up with promo code 1010XL, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. We would love to have, have Kelvin back. The sky's the limit. He's only going to get better because uh, of the way he works. You know, when you love something as much as he loves football, you can't help but get better. Stepping up, stepping up, fires it deep downfield, wants Calvin Ridley. Calvin's out there, Calvin's got it, five-yard line, into the end zone, touchdown, Trevor Lawrence to Calvin Ridley for the score. Yeah, Josh will be a jingle. Young goes down again, and it's Josh Allen. Boy, they're starting to pin their ears back. Ford sack for this Jacksonville defense. we got to take a competitive football team and turn it into a champion. That's that's not easy, but that's our job. You only get so many windows in this league, and and we feel like with the personnel that we have and we'll continue to add, you know, our window, our windows now. 1010XL 92.5 FM presents... Jaguars today with your hosts Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, and Dylan Denmark. All right, good morning, everybody, especially all you early birds in that YouTube chat today. You always wonder who are the people waiting for that video to turn on, Tony? The <laughs> yeah. dozen or so of you that get in early before the video actually starts appearing. But we appreciate all of you, however, you're consuming Jaguars today, particularly all of you driving around. Jacksonville FLA this morning in Duval proper as we march towards Super Bowl 58. But really, for the Jags, we hope it's a march towards Super Bowl 59 or 60 or something like mm-hmm. that. They're, you know, it's just uh, for us getting through the week here. And yeah. um, nice to see Trevor Lawrence out there, you know, getting some opportunity to give his point of view on where the Jags stand and some of the national shows, which is kind of the. Um, expected routine for a lot of these big-name players during Super Bowl week. Yeah. Uh, not sure exactly what Jaguars were going to make the trip out to Vegas. You know, this week there's mm-hmm. usually a contention of a few players that are out there doing whatever with whatever Might be a sponsor. a few more being that it's in Vegas. Right. Uh, the team usually brings a couple, and they've always been kind to us when it comes to getting those guys on. We appreciate it year to year. I, it doesn't look like Trevor was one of those necessarily this year, but he's – Trevor Lawrence, right? Like That's a name that everyone knew three years before he got into the league. The talk about him being the number one overall pick was three years before he got into the league, ultimately. So it's a name that everybody across the whole country knows, right? You don't have to be a Jaguars fan to know who Trevor Lawrence is, and you don't have to be a Jaguars fan to know where he's playing uh, right now. So it's a big enough name that, yeah, when these kind of events are going on, someone's going to want to talk to Trevor about whatever's going on, and... It's nice that he has something to talk about for Jacksonville. Not necessarily nice things to have to talk about with the season ending the way that it did, but it's it's good to hear from the quarterback. When he talks, we listen. Yeah, and I did listen, and I felt like a lot of it was standard quarterback fare. Yeah. You know what I mean? We need to get better here. We need to do this. We need you know nothing that you wouldn't expect anybody else to hear, but no. it's just still part of the kind of the dance of being a professional quarterback and to speak responsibly and professionally about your team and and know show some modicum of leadership uh he was on I think it was Cameron Wolf and Bucky Brooks on the NFL Network set that I saw uh Tone I know he's done several of these but uh we'll get to some of that audio coming up here in the first hour today hear what Trevor had to say and uh, take your reaction if you'd like on 
where things stand with your franchise quarterback, uh, and that's clearly what he is, whether you have that ultimate confidence in him that you did. I'll say this, still 62% of you, based on our poll we ran this week, feel that Trevor Lawrence is not that he can, but that he will lead this franchise to a Mm -hmm. Super Bowl, provided he gets a second deal. He talked about that second deal and said the right things. Not worried about not going to affect the way I play, whether I get it this season, next offseason, whenever it comes, I'm still going to go out and go about my business the way I'm supposed to do. And, I mean, has he been anything other than the consummate professional since he's been here? That doesn't mean he's going to perform as an all-pro performer on the field every time. But in terms of all the other stuff that comes with being a pro quarterback, I think he's as well-equipped as anybody who's come into the league in a while. Yeah, got thrown into the fire from that perspective in about as harsh a season as you possibly could be thrown into. You know, from the perspective of a rookie quarterback having to deal with everything that was going on with his one-year head coach who didn't even survive the year in in herbs, right? Like, it's there was a lot going on, and Trevor handled the job of being one of the guys who had to step up in front of the media every week and answer questions about what was going on in that locker room. And in the game, he handled that as well as you can possibly handle it. That hasn't changed, right? Like, that part of who Trevor Lawrence is has been steady since the moment he got here. That doesn't mean that he played well enough last year. And there's an expectation for Trevor to be better than he was in 2023. He knows it. I think he has that expectation for himself. And he's willing to, you know, point to that and say, yeah, got to be better at this, this, and this. Right, going forward as the quarterback for this football team, he's willing to be self critical, you know, in these kind of moments, which is again speaks to his professionalism, right? Like how well he handles this part of doing the job. That's not the biggest part of the job, right? The the biggest part of the job is what gets done on the field. The results on the field are in the end the thing that matters. Like that's Honestly, the thing it's that probably counts. 90- Five percent of what matters. But he handles this part of it as well as anyone handles this part of it. I think the on-field stuff, he's had moments of it. I I liked – I've gotten to the point where I describe Trevor as a quarterback that in three years has had two really high-end streaks of games. Like two streaks of games where it's like, there it is, top five in the league, right? He's had two streaks in three years in, in his career. The back half of his second season was all that. Right, he was playing like one of the the handful of the best quarterbacks in football. The back half of his entire second season, and for the three four games leading into the ankle and everything else happening, the concussion, the shoulder, all those things, when that all really started piling on, the three four weeks heading into that, he was playing that way again. It was another one of those streaks where it's like, already right, turning it on. I don't know why it takes half a season for it to happen. You know that kind of thing has to change for him going forward. But he is. He's had those streaks in his career. Well, that's the big problem. It can't be two streaks. It's got to be two years yeah. of that level of Absolutely. play. Like, I mean, you know, Lamar Jackson has not gotten to the Super Bowl either, and he's had postseason failures. He is probably going to lock down his second MVP award, right? There, there's no question his value to the Baltimore Ravens. I get it. Trevor Lawrence has incredible value. He would show you just how valuable he was if he could take that top-level play and deliver it 15 out of 17 times. Nobody expects you to be perfect 17 out of 17 times. At least I don't expect that. Every quarterback, no matter how good your season, is going to have a dud. You can go back and find some duds this year for For Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and the whole lot of them. Uh, But the overall arc has got to be towards a lot more consistency on the high end. And with that, 
you know, he needs the weapons and he needs the protection. And we know that. And we've talked about what are the top offseason priorities. Well, the number one thing they need to do is re-sign Josh Allen. But the number one position group they need to address is the offensive line. But that's presuming that they're going to have some answers at some other positions. And I I saw Tom McManus, uh, there was a a piece posted from his latest podcast that he does on Tuesdays. And you should check that out. Go to uh, on the X machine at Meathead 55. Uh, and you can find links to all Tom's stuff there. But uh, he was talking about if it came down to it, and I know, look, there are ways, certainly, with the salary cap the way it is and the ability to restructure deals and let veterans go, that you could keep both Calvin Ridley and Cam Robinson. Mm-hmm. There are. But if it came down to you thought, you know what, the math works best if we have just one of these guys and everything else will fall into place in terms of having the available cap space that we need to go out and try to make this team as competitive as it can be in 2024 and beyond. But we can only keep one of these guys, Calvin Ridley. And again, don't know what the exact numbers would be, but you could even look at it like this if you wanted to. If you keep Cam Robinson, he counts $21 million against the cap, right? Mm-hmm. If you let him go, you save $16 million. If you just transfer that $16 million to Calvin Ridley, I mean, that's that evens it out, right? Yeah. And I don't know if you can get Calvin Ridley for $16 million. I don't know if you'd want to pay him that. But if the choice is you can have Calvin Ridley or you can have Cam Robinson, and basically everything else would be just about the same in terms of your resources. Now, your plan wouldn't be the same because if you choose Cam Robinson now, you got to go find some receiver help somehow. Yeah. Maybe that becomes more of a draft priority. Or if – you choose to keep Calvin Ridley. Do you go with in-house options like Walker Little at one of the tackle positions, or are you looking mm-hmm. to draft a tackle early in this draft? Maybe push Little inside. Maybe take some of the money you recoup from not keeping Cam Robinson and investing that in other offensive line positions. So we'll debate that a little bit today, uh, but you can let us know your thought with a simple one-click on today's poll question on social media at MD underscore 1010XL. Hit us up at 1010XL Fat Tony and 1010XL Denmark. Hold my pocket. Morning pockets. Good morning. You're looking so much older and more mature. Really? Why week. is that? Uh, probably because your birthday went. Oh, uh, okay. This past weekend, man. I'm trying to, uh, you know, wish you belated happy birthdays to make up for not knowing that you're having another trip around the sun completed this week. I appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. Uh, we got Johnny O coming in today. So. You? Um, roughly around 11 o'clock, I'm mm-hmm. sure. Uh, John Osher from Jaguars.com, <laughs> their senior writer, will join us in studio. And uh, we'll talk all things Jags with you today. We'll get into any uh, Super Bowl storylines that you want to touch on as well as we continue to inch closer to Super Bowl 58 coming up this weekend. And put that in the rear view and then the Jags start the same place everybody else is. O&O and uh, with their off-season resources looking to fill all the holes that they've created for themselves on this roster. Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, Dylan Denmark here with you. You're listening to Jaguars today. Keep it right here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Now more Jaguars today on 1010XL. Disappointed. Uh, I think everybody felt that way. Uh, in organization, fans, city, all that. You know, it's disappointing to finish the way we did, especially where we were at 8-3 at one point in the season. Nobody going to argue with that. Disappointing end to the year is underselling it for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, losers of five of the last six to go from that eight and three mark to not making the postseason. And would have been nice for the second consecutive year. But uh, we'll see what Trevor Lawrence has to say about uh, whether or not uh, you can 
actually find a silver lining in that. If you want to get in today, 641-1010 on the All-Pro Roofing phone lines or on the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures uh, or hit us up on social media today. The question of the day presented by Chad and Sandy Real Estate, if it were only one that you could keep between Calvin Ridley and Cam Robinson, which one are you keeping for the Jags? Presuming that basically that's the choice. It's like, hey, we can afford this guy or that guy. We'll have the same basic pot of resources to use if we opt to go this way, it's just, mm-hmm. you know, different ways we're going to have to go about it. Like, hey, if you don't keep Calvin Ridley, all right, there's maybe $20 million that you're not paying to a receiver. You could spend that somewhere else. You know, you're going to save $16 million on Cam, though, uh, against the salary cap if he's not on the roster this year. Somebody said, Tone, on uh, Twitter, mm-hmm. where's the third option? Cut both. <laughs> I mean, look, I get – I'm much of a heavier lean towards keep Ridley here just simply because of the makeup of what they have sure. on this team now. Um, Ridley is a little bit older than Cam. Cam won't even be 29, I think, until October, something like that. I was looking. So he's, you know, still fairly young guy. Um, but he does miss some time. Uh, has missed. He's, I don't know. If he played one season where he played 16 games. I don't recall if that was a 17-game season or not. That might have been the only time he played the full compliment he usually no, it's, good that's for a only been a games. couple of years that they've done that and I know we got hurt well last year well most, year most years he's been like yeah. a 14 game yeah. guy is what he's been and then this year he missed eight games of course four of those uh were for suspension but that was for performance enhancing drugs which were allegedly I guess to you know speed up your recovery mm-hmm. right so that seems to be injury related as well uh, in a way, you could look at it, whereas Calvin Ridley was fairly durable this year. He got banged up uh, from time to time, to be sure. And, you know, I- I'm not of the – like, I feel like if it came down to a financial thing, if I could keep them both, I probably would, mm-hmm. quite honestly, right? Because Cam is a good player. I don't think he's a franchise-changing player, but he's no. a good player. And I do – you know, I get it. I like his, his – you know – He's a hard-nosed guy. He's he's edgy to the degree that any of the Jaguars linemen are edgy and all that stuff, Tony. But he didn't grade out well as a run blocker this year. He did well as a pass blocker, and I get it. As your left tackle, that's your number one priority. But he isn't always available. I would keep them both if I could. I think you're just you just have better alternatives with how to fill that spot, whether it's Anton Harrison moving over there or Walker Little just plugging in, mm-hmm. at least for the short term, for 2024, then if Ridley leaves, not knowing if Zay Jones is back or not, and even if he is, there's a hole at the top of your wide receiver depth chart. Yeah, and I think adding into that, because I agree, I lean towards Calvin Ridley being the one of the two that I would keep, and I think added to that, the options that are going to be available to you in the draft, right? And Daniel Jeremiah again said yesterday, basically teams looking to reload on the offensive line. This is the year. This is the year to do it. Right? Let's do like, it. Like, and I think that added to this conversation makes it pretty easy to me. You compare that to the options that are going to be available to them potentially. It's not that they can't get a wide receiver in this draft. That could be a top end of the depth chart consideration for them. Even picking there at 17, I think there's the possibility that they'd have that kind of player available to them at wide receiver, but I think there is an overwhelming likelihood that if they wanted to draft a right tackle in the first round of this year's draft, that they'd have the choice of three or four guys. Like, good which ones. one do you like best? Right, good good ones that are graded to be 
values at that spot right. by and, the consensus. And could come back in the second round and get a guy that could start day one for you at guard. Right? Like, if they wanted to go that direction in the NFL draft, I think this is a year where they could. I don't think you can do that as easily at wide receiver necessarily with the options on the depth chart compared to Calvin Ridley specifically. I, I compare Calvin to his colleagues in the league and Cam Robinson to his left tackle colleagues in the league. I think Calvin's better. Right, like I think Calvin Ridley's closer to the top of that group, the wide receiver pile, the wide receiver group than Cam is to the top of the left tackles. I think Cam's a good player, and he doesn't hurt you to have him be the left tackle for you week to week. But he doesn't move the mark for you all that much, right? And he does have the injury considerations on top of that kind of thing. So, if it was me, it's pretty easy. I'd lean towards keep Calvin Ridley over Cam. All right, you can weigh in on that or anything else Jaguar-related. We'll get to more uh, thoughts from Trevor Lawrence as he appeared uh, yesterday with the NFL Network crew as they're doing uh, their broadcasts from Las Vegas this week. Uh, 6-4-1-10-10 if you'd like to voice your opinion on anything Jaguar-related like Matt and Callahan has done this morning. Good morning, Matt. Hey, good morning. How y'all doing? We're doing all right, Matt. What's on your mind, bud? Um... Playing it on the question of the day. I mean, I I agree with I would keep Calvin. Um, you got to remember, what do they say? He's almost 30. Is that what he's about to be, 30 this year or 29? I think he is 30. Something like that. Yes, yes. But he's he's got a year and a half less NFL pressure on his body because he sat out. So he didn't get beat up for a year and a half of that. But you got to think in the back of your mind, the dude's a talent. He's a stud. He came off a rust year. You think he doesn't hear everything we're saying about him and he doesn't want to be him like he promised, you know? He hasn't been injured. Cam, I, just like y'all just said, move Harrison over to the left, draft a right tackle, fill in the spots through free agency, let Trevor and Kirk and, and Calvin work all through the offseason and have a full year under their belt together. I think he's going to light up the scoreboard if we keep him. That's just my opinion. But I'll let y'all weigh in on yours. But I really think keeping him would be huge. He hears everything we're saying. There's no way he doesn't. And he doesn't want to go out like a chump. So I guarantee you he's going to come back hungry and more focused than he was this year for sure. So I appreciate y'all, and I'll take your comments. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate it. Uh, Look, um, I I don't think Calvin will go out like a chump either way. Calvin Ridley will have a pretty soft landing, Mm -hmm. I think, this offseason, whether it's back here in Jacksonville as a presumptive like co-number one with Christian Kirk, and you can look at it any way you like, right? Kirk's maybe the more important, but I think Ridley is the more likely to put up bigger numbers. Um, But if Ridley hits the market, Tony, and if T. Higgins, Mike Evans, and Michael Pittman Jr. sign with their teams, re-sign with their own teams, Ridley is the cream of the wide receiver class in free agency. So, I mean, what if he went to Kansas City? You you know what I mean? Like, like what what a great landing spot that would be for him. He'd have... Obviously, his choice between whatever suitors were out there, including the Jacksonville Jaguars, and it may come to that, mm-hmm. right? Because if the Jags don't get something done with Josh Allen and have to apply the franchise tag, um, I, I don't see them signing Ridley to an extension before the new league year starts having to give up that second-round pick. No. I, you know, so it, it's – He's at least going to hear what that teams issue, have to though, say. That, yeah. That's like the logistics of how it gets done is a different thing as opposed to what we're talking about today. The value that Ridley versus Robinson 
presents to this team. The one the only point I'll argue with Matt, and I think Matt's point was he didn't get hurt here. Like, he got banged up a little bit, but he played all the games here. Mm-hmm. But he has gotten hurt in the past. Um, and he isn't, you know, I, and I don't know how, who said that, that we heard coming out of the Senior Bowl last week, that there was, you know, some uh, thought that the Jaguar front office felt like he didn't do a good enough job putting weight on or keeping weight on it. He yeah. played too skinny and things like that. I, I really don't know if that's a legitimate concern of yeah. theirs or not. Um, but, you know, you want your guys to be as durable as possible. He was durable for the Jags. Took 136 targets across 17 games. He showed up every single week. Uh, was he perfect? Far from it. But I think a lot of people do look at it as like, in almost two years off, like Matt said, and what could he do now with a year to get back in the groove under his belt? Yeah, I think you look at the consequences if you can't get done what you would want to get done, like in either spot too, right? Say you let Cam Robinson walk and it doesn't fall your way in the draft, so you're not able to draft a, an offensive tackle in the first couple rounds for whatever reason, okay? Walker Little and Anton Harrison are your starting tackles. Right, you've got a pair. Like, that's not by. the end of the world. Calvin Ridley walks away from the team. What are they? Right? Like, they, again, don't have that top end of the depth chart guy. They don't even have the threat of that, really. Right? You get Kirk back, which is nice. And I do think he's really their one, right, for now. Has been for the last couple of seasons. And you saw how much the offense really was affected by the absence of Kirk there for the last month of the season. But if you don't get that in the building, right? So now you're playing the free agency game where, all right, Marquise Brown, right? And I'm not saying that he's not a guy that you would bring in and give you what. He's a guy worth having on your NFL team. I'm not saying that he doesn't come in and give you about what Calvin gave you this year. I think he's certainly capable of giving you that, right? But who else in free agency is even capable of that the moment they walk in the door? Who? Darnell Mooney? Gabe and, and Davis, shown it. Odell Beckham, Tyler Boyd, Curtis Samuel. I'm looking at a list of the top free agents available. I mean, Kendrick all these Bourne. guys, they're like, Gabe they have Davis roles. as like your third receiver? Yeah. Sure. Curtis Samuel is your third receiver? Sure. Right? If you uh, have a creative offensive staff that yeah. knows how to utilize him. And that would answer the Zay Jones. Player. They're not playing around with that money at that point. If they're not going to keep Calvin, if it's like, yeah, we'll, we'll let it test for real tests, right? Then. Zay's here, right? Like, if they can't work it out with Calvin, Zay's here for another year. Like, I can't imagine them walking away from both of those guys in this particular offseason. But I don't know. It's, it'll be interesting because that $11 million cap figure is more than double what it's been for Zay to this point. I and get he, it. He was a guy who missed a lot of time as well. Because they redid the deal last year, too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and but that's what's looming for 2024 yeah. right now. You can save about half of that impact if you let him go. Um, And, again, these decisions, we don't – like, when you're deciding between Ridley and Robinson, you're going to have to make up your own mind what the rest of that wide receiver depth chart is going to look like because they're going to have to – whether if they keep – if it's a Cam or Ridley thing, you would think that they'd have to have invested in that receiver position – Anyway, yeah. right? Have to even to, consider just keeping Cam over Ridley. Right. Like overall, I feel like they'd have to sign somebody to make you feel as good about the wide receiver position as you do about tackle if you don't have Cam. Let me ask you if they did get something done with Josh Allen and they applied the franchise tag to Ridley, I'm like, receiver's still on the board for me very early. Yeah. I'm not saying it's a higher priority than offensive line. At some point, they have line. to draft and develop a wide receiver. At some point, they got to develop their own guy. Right. 
They I just mean, haven't been able to do that. We're all looking at what Green Bay has done with four guys on the roster that they drafted that at various times all look like they're yeah. capable of being a number one. And I mentioned it with uh, Tommy when you had to go on Friday. You know, we talked briefly about who is the best wide receiver that the Jags have drafted and developed. I'm talking about it in their franchise history. Alan Robinson? Like, that may be the top of the list. I mean, he had the best season right. of anyone. And that that's not drafted. a guy who got to a second contract. Right. Like, like the, the Jaguars in the draft at wide receiver has been a zero for 30 years. Right? Like, they just haven't found a guy that it's like, this is our guy for 10 years. They just haven't had that in the draft in the history of the franchise. It'd be nice if they get one eventually, especially the way the game's going. Uh, it'd be great, uh, right, if they had a pair by, yeah. like, say, You don't next have to year. buy Kirk and Ridley and Jones. Like, you don't have to get your whole group from outside the building. All right, let's uh, come back and hear the rest of uh, some of Tre- – well, the rest of some of Trevor's thoughts. The rest of what we've got available for you uh, coming up from Trevor Lawrence on NFL Network. Yesterday, uh, waiting the arrival of John Osher at the top of the hour. You're listening to Jaguars today. Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, and Dylan Denmark. The question today presented by Chad and Sandy Real Estate. If everything else were the same and it came down to a choice between Cam Robinson or Calvin Ridley, who are you keeping for the Jaguars in 2024? This is 1010XL 92.5 FM. Jaguars today on 1010XL. All right, how bad... It's the Jaguars' history of pass catchers on this team, right? I mean, we got Jimmy and Keenan. We think, man, you they know, that, awesome. that's a great pair. Yeah. That's a great start. Not a lot of great follow-up. No. Particularly and, at the wide receiver position. And Jimmy basically doubles up Keenan. Like, Jimmy's a Hall of Fame-level player, right? And fantastic that you've had one of those guys in 30 years in the franchise. And Keenan was great. He's a Pro Bowl-level player. Yeah. Right? They haven't had much of that beyond that. Allen Robinson had a Pro Bowl year. That's it. Real, I mean, at the DJ wide Chark had a thousand yard season. Yeah. They haven't had much. Uh, you're just looking up the historical numbers. We can go through all the names in the top ten. Honestly, and and the top ten is like two tight ends, two running backs are in the top ten. Yeah. Right. So it's only six receivers make the top ten for the Jags for the all time receiving list. I don't know how that compares to other franchises' all time list. No, I'd have to look. But, when yeah. you look at number 11, who's number 11? Keelan Cole. Keelan Cole is the 11th leading receiver in Jaguars yeah. history. Just ahead of Marquise Lee, who's just ahead of Matt Jones, who's just ahead of Ernest Wilford, Pete Mitchell. That's your top 15. Yeah, I mean, like, just not difference makers you know some of them had their moments and were solid enough players but some of that was first round draft capital Reggie Williams by the way is in the top 10 right he's number number 10 10, 23 22 total receiving was so good that never played another down in the NFL after his rookie year yeah or rookie contract is up with the Jags yeah looking at these numbers Uh, you look at their all-time this is yards receiving right which is you know, Mercedes Lewis is third on the Jags franchise list. 4502 is his number. They don't have anybody else that has 3,000 yards beyond those top three guys. They got Jimmy Keenan and Mercedes. Have, and with Mercedes with 4502, next on the list is Mojo. 2873. And to give you an idea of just where what that looks like, Christian Kirk, as I was just telling you as we were coming back from the break, he's 17th 
right now on the Jags franchise list with 1895. If he comes back this year and has a 1,000-yard receiving season, he's the fourth highest receiving yardage leader in franchise history. Fourth. Fourth. That's it just goes to show you what Calvin Ridley did this year. Like, you know, by NFL superstar standards, it's not anything, you know, no. any big deal. You look at what Tyreek Hill was making a run at 2,000 this year. So let's not get too carried away with 1,000. But you look at this franchise's context, yet we can't also, Tony, get caught up in the got to be Jaguar good, right? It's not just good enough to be better than what's come before. No. Need to be good enough. To compete, and granted, you can look at Kansas City and go, who's their alpha receiver? Well, it's Travis Kelsey is who it is. Absolutely. He's not a wide receiver. And for a tight end to put up 1,000 or near 1,000 like he does, and he did it in the 15 games this year with nearly 1,000. He would have easily gone over 1,000 if he plays the full 17. You know, they did struggle, though, right? Their identity changed a little bit more this year. They did. They weren't this sure thing that was going to steamroll through the playoffs. They had to rely on a stronger defense, a better running game, mm-hmm. a rookie receiver to develop as the year went along, and Rasheed Rice, and he has, uh, you know, quite nicely. And the magic of Patrick Mahomes doing just enough, extending plays and finding just enough of these just-a-guy yes. wide receivers that he has like he did with MVS to clinch a game last you know, week. I'm looking at Kansas City's all-time list now, and it's interesting. Their top two are tight ends. It's Kelsey and Gonzalez. And Gonzalez, yeah. yeah. 11 328 for Kelsey, 10 940 in a Chiefs uniform for okay. Tony Gonzalez. And then the the rest of your we'll go five here. Otis Taylor, who played in the 70s basically, mm-hmm. played a decade for him from 65 to 75. Dwayne Bowe is fourth on the list in Kansas City history. Tyreek Hill is fifth. Okay. I yeah. mean, Hill was climbing. Hill was going to probably for end sure. up there in the. Gonzalez Kelsey range, yeah. you know, when he was all. But I do said think and done. like Kansas City as a comparison, and again, they have they've been around a lot longer, right? Like you're talking about 50, 60 years of franchise history, seventy years uh, there for the Chiefs. Henry Marshall, Carlos so Carson. Give me, give me the total receiving yards for the guy who's tenth on the list for Kansas City. Tenth on the list is Eddie Kennison with five thousand two hundred and thirty, and the Jags at. For Reggie was like two thousand something, right? Two twenty two hundred. Again, it's yeah. a lot more history to yeah go over. Bring up if you can dig up the Carolina Panthers. Let's we'll look do. at them head to head. I'm sure you're going to get you know Steve Smith and Masin Muhammad in there. I don't know if Patrick Jeffers. Yeah, I bet he's in the top ten um, for sure. DJ Moore will be in there. Curious to see what the other expansion franchise yeah. who ended at the same time list looks Let's like. see here. Steve Smith tops the list with 12-197. Okay. Muhammad second, 92-55. Uh, Greg Olson third. Okay. 64-63. DJ Moore fourth, 52-01. At least they have four guys that have 5,000. Uh, Wesley Walls fifth. Another tight end. On the list at 39-02. McCaffrey sixth. With thirty-two so, ninety-two, it seems kind of similar. Yeah. And a number ten on the list is Devin Funchess, twenty-two thirty-three. That is right on where. Yeah, I mean, it are. seems very similar. Yeah. But here's the thing: Do you want to be compared to the Carolina Panthers? Now, Not granted, in a lot of spots they've yeah. been to the Super Bowl, right? So that's better. Uh, but no, I don't often want to be compared to the Carolina Panthers. No, I don't think uh, you know in terms of being satisfied with where you are in the NFL hierarchy, right? Uh, I get it. They deserve to be compared to them in some cases. All right, let's get back to this uh, with Trevor Lawrence. 
appearing with NFL Network yesterday, Cameron Wolf and Bucky Brooks. Um, heard him talking about how he was disappointed in how the season ended. Got to hear the answer to this. Missing the playoffs could be good for this team in the long run. I think it could be a good thing for us in the long run. And sometimes when you have a season that finishes that way, especially not making the playoffs in the position that we were in, it kind of heightens the sense of urgency for everyone. We know, all right, we're not where we need to be. We know we're, we're not where we want to be. And you're coming off that instead of, you know, maybe a year, maybe we make the playoffs. We found a way to make the playoffs um, this year, and we don't learn the lessons we do because we think we're a little bit better than maybe we are. So I think it could heighten the sense of urgency. It could, you know, put a little pressure on us in a good way, and we need that. I think, look, I still choose to make the playoffs, right, mm-hmm. over not making the playoffs. But I don't think that's untrue that you could do that. And it makes me wonder, is there some truth being spoken in that this is how this team reacted? Yeah, we, we did make go the playoffs. The rope. Yeah. Not, not only made the playoffs, won a playoff game, had that terrific comeback, had everybody blowing smoke at us as the next upcoming team in the National Football League, never mind just the AFC. Did we buy our own hype a little bit this year? Yeah, uh, we got comfortable. Like that's what that statement feels like, and it's not like we haven't pointed to that going through the season that they might have. They look like a team that got comfortable uh, to a large degree. Trevor Lawrence yesterday also was asked about playing through the injuries that he had to play through. All right, I know that's a part of this sport, and there's no excuses when you go on the field. When you step on the field on Sunday, you're expected to perform, especially as the quarterback. You know and a guy that I touch the ball every play, you know, have a big impact on the game and you got to play well to, to win. Your quarterback has to play well in this league. And, you know, I'm, uh, that's one, that's one obviously regret I have is that I don't think I played my best at the end of the season. And I wish I'd played better to give us a shot. Um, so that's something where I got to learn from. And, you know, if I'm on that field and whether I'm banged up or what, you're going to be banged up at the end of the season, no matter how healthy you try to stay or how much success you have doing that, you're going to have to play through some stuff. All right, uh, the follow-up to that is then, okay, you need to play better. Right? And we know you've got this ability. You can fit it into a tight window and do all these things, and you can make throws that few people walking the earth can make, but you've got to do it consistently. You've got to have consistency. You've got to protect the football a lot better. So how do you balance being more of a game manager versus just slinging it around? You have to manage the game. Every every quarterback that has success has to do that. Um, and I, you know, I look back on games where we've won and, or, and, or I've played well, I typically, obviously you're going to flash and make some plays. You know, I think I have that ability and have that confidence in myself, but you have to manage the game in order to give yourself a chance to win, especially at the end of the game. I, I hear that debate all the time. And I think it's, it's kind of crazy because the best quarterbacks that have played or that currently play, they know how to manage the game and they know how to manage situations. And that's something that, I think I have gotten better at every year. I know I have, but I need to continue getting better. I think, though, that the criticism of that label comes from the either-or aspect of it, right? Like, I get it. Mahomes does manage games. He also has otherworldly talent that both. enables him to— Right. If you're the great elite quarterback, sure, you manage the game. But a game manager is— Generally, I think that term refers to a guy as seen as who can't elevate his play— yeah. He's Beyond a not the point. guy who's going to lift us up. He's a guy that can't get in our way. Right. Could you take, like, it's Dilfer. Would Mahomes take this yeah. Jaguar roster and automatically make it better, in your opinion? Yeah. To me, yes. Yeah. He would. He's better than Trevor I think Lawrence. he would make every roster he went to in the NFL better. Okay. Would Brock Purdy make this team better? Maybe know. in a given week yeah. he might? I, right? I mean, you yeah. know, but I don't think that that's 
definitive. I mean, it, no, go, yeah. go, all you got to do is go back and watch him in the first half against Detroit two weeks ago or a week and a half ago. Yep. And how much he struggled physically in that game. When everything's clicking and he's got his playmakers in sync, he does a phenomenal job. He manages the game at a high level, right? But I still don't see him as this exceptional athletic talent that can just, you know, you're, I mean, it's obvious, right? He went with the final pick in the draft. That doesn't mean there aren't traits that can make you an effective NFL quarterback. And he is displaying a lot of those right now. Uh, But that's where the the game manager tag just comes in on guys who are thought to be only that. Yeah, Yeah. we all need to be – Trevor does need to manage games better. I don't need him to become a game manager per se. I need him to be that gunslinger who knows how to manage the game. All right, let's do this. I want to save this way. Trevor talked about his relationship with general manager Trent Baalke and everything that's going on with the contract. You may have heard some of this clip uh, going around on social media. We'll save that. We'll come back and – let you hear that in hour number two when John Osher joins us from Jaguars.com, the senior writer, kicking off the second hour. Six four one ten ten. if you'd like to weigh in. The Chad and Sandy real estate question today, which you're not limited to talking about, uh, but if you want to weigh in, is Calvin Ridley versus Cam Robinson. If you came down to one or the other, and that was the way the Jags made it fit with the salary cap this year, which one would you want the Jaguars to keep? This is Jaguars today on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Oh Knows with Jaguars.com's John Osher. Brought to you by Kingfish Pest Control. Proud partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. On 1010XL. I feel Tony. Mm-hmm. I go, got here early <laughs> and waited in the hallway. We got here early so, and rang the bell. I heard the bell. We heard yeah. the bell. Yeah. Right? That's how we know it's you. Yeah, it's okay. right. <laughs> John rings the bell. We don't get up. Notice. <laughs> we don't come to the door to get you. Uh, if no one's sitting at the front door. But I felt like, based on when the bell rang, seeing somebody walk past the window to perhaps answer the door, and when you walked in the studio, I felt like you might have been like, oh, you want me here by 11? Uh, how about 10.59.59? I, <laughs> I kind of felt like that's how you slid I, in here I wish morning. I was that good. All right. Well, you were today, um, you know, unintentionally. <laughs> All right. Uh, how's the week been for you? Good. Good. You know, just kind of waiting uh, – for the uh, Jags to announce the final defensive staff, get that sort of, uh, I guess, buttoned up publicly. And, uh, you know, that's pretty much the wait. And uh, combine in a couple of weeks, Super Bowl. So sort of treading water a bit until the action gets going again. And find out tomorrow about Freddie T. Yeah. You know, uh, as well. Now, we didn't go to Radio Row this year. Uh, oftentimes, you've gone in the past, like with the Baselli push was a big thing. Right. Um, what, what, what was behind the, the thought process this year to – to uh, uh, just sort of uh, awaiting and seeing. I guess there wasn't that much of a thought process uh, the last couple of years with Tony. Once the vote didn't take place there, uh, we opted uh, not to go and gotcha. just sort of wait and see. So I don't know if we ever had any impact, but that was what we would do during the week. We would find sure. Hall of Fame voters, and we would, all right, tell us, to explain to the Jacksonville audience why – this guy doesn't belong right. in the Hall of Fame yeah. if you don't think he does. Yeah, what we did on that this year, it, as as soon as Fred got nominated, uh, or uh, not nominated, but made the uh, list of uh, 15 finalists, uh, JP, multiple other people at the Jaguars, uh, Dan Edwards, former PR uh, maven, I guess, uh, sort of spearheaded finding voters to talk about him. Mm-hmm. 
putting together a package like that, uh, sort of trying to impact it that way. So uh, I, my gut is uh, I kind of thought that I think it will take Fred a couple of hall of, I mean, a couple of final round times to get in. That may just be because I was used to seeing that with Tony. Right. So that's sort of my thought, but uh, we'll see. Fingers crossed. Well, I think that, um, you know, not having another running back among yeah. the finalists helps tremendously, right? I think that will definitely help him. If it doesn't push him over the top this year, which fingers crossed it does, I think um, the next couple of years, I don't think there'll be a, a, a dominant running back coming up to join him. Adrian Peterson, I think, has, what, four more years before he's going to be eligible. Uh, Frank Gore, maybe a couple. I don't right. Know, you know. And so, like, to me, Frank Gore was indominant. He was. But his he, numbers His numbers get should I mean, get him in. And well, yeah. if that's okay, Fred's numbers should get him in no, as well. And by the way, well, I think well, Gore's what, three or uh, top three or four? Um, I mean, so, oh, yeah. It was like fourth. I yeah. Say. So yeah. that's. No, uh, I, I get you. But I, I mean, it's. But I don't think Fred at any point anyone said uh, Frank Gore's a better NFL player than Fred Taylor. And, and I don't think this Hall of Fame voters can no. make that case now did he have more longevity sure but was he ever at any moment like at what point in in gore's career that's comparable to the similar point in fred's career i'd say there was a time when san francisco made the super bowl a couple of i mean uh, the one year 11 or 12 i'm thinking this guy is like a top end but yeah for the most part the career arch uh fred was maximizing for a lot longer than I thought Frank Gore. Yeah, his second Gore, year he had 1695. Yeah. Gore, by the way, retired after the 2020 season, so yeah. I think he'd be eligible in 25 yeah. to be a part of the whole thing. So that uh, Adrian probably, Peterson, yeah. 21, so 26. So next year would be the open kind of year yeah. for Fred from that perspective, and then Gore comes in, and then AP comes in, and both those guys are right. going to be getting into the Hall of Fame. Gore, by the way, Wound up third on the all-time rushing list, yeah, sixteen thousand so exactly behind only Smith and Payton. Yeah, I didn't really think Curtis Martin was a better running back than Fred either, but he had better. Right, but I mean, Gore played to literally thirty-seven yeah. years old. Yeah. yeah, you know, he was the, the last, you know, the last four years of his career. He, you know, it was it was not bad. I'm not knocking Frank Gore. Frank Gore was good. He's just not a guy playing at that age. Yeah, you know, he averaged like his last seven six years: three point seven, three point nine, three point seven. 4.6 on 156 carries for Miami at age 35. That's pretty remarkable. 3.6, 3.5. So he was a guy getting a lot of volume, yeah. you know, and just kind of inching his way higher up the list. I bet he scored that touchdown. Yes, he did. Oh, <laughs> he got he, the first down. He got the key first down. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how many right. touchdowns he scored from right, that John. year, but he did. First down. I'm he sorry, did get yeah. the first down that that clinched it. Uh, and uh, so far, we're still happy with that. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, uh, we'll we'll see uh, how that all works out. But uh, I want a couple of things flitting around in my yep. brain. Let me just Uh-oh. take care of this tomorrow because we will find out tomorrow night on Fred Taylor getting in or not for this year for the Hall of Fame. So tomorrow, just to prepare you a little bit, if you want to call in, we thought it'd be fun uh, to do limit it to like 30 seconds, make your pitch for Fred for the Hall of Fame as if you are the presenter in front of the room. Like you've got 30 seconds to bullet point it. Bam, 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 bam. Here's why Fred Taylor is a Hall of Famer uh, and we'll buzz you out if you go too long. And so we'll have a little fun with that tomorrow and a lot of the discussion tomorrow will be about Freddie T., and hopefully uh, sending good vibes to push him over uh, the edge to get in. Also, because uh, I haven't mentioned it today, we've got our Super Bowl 
We're calling it the Jag Bag instead of the Swag Bag, and it's just Jaguar-related items. I may have put the lean on uh, John Osher to to poke around down at Everbank and see if there's anything loose floating around down there that we could throw in the Jag Bag. No promises on that, but we'll have some fun items. <laughs> and all you have to do is email Mike D at 1010XL.com with a couple of things. A, you got to have your full name and phone number in there, but your two predictions you have to make, winner of the Super Bowl, Kansas City or San Francisco, no point spread, nothing like that, just straight up who wins it. If you get that right, we go on to the second prediction, which is just simply something you predict will happen during the game that is easily verifiable. If it's statistical, obviously that's easily verifiable. And uh, out of the people that get both predictions correct, we'll determine – amongst our panel, which of that second prediction group was the least likely to happen yet still occurred. So you got to make it a little tricky, but you got to get it right. So it's up to you exactly how extreme you want to get with that prediction. So anyway, uh, you have to submit them only via email to Mike D at 1010XL.com. That's basically the gist of it and put something in the subject line about Super Bowl contests so I know uh, what I'm looking for there. All right, John, we were playing some audio from Trevor Lawrence appeared yesterday on NFL Network. I'm sure you've heard a lot of this stuff, but wanted to save this one until you got here so we could all listen together and comment on it. Here's Trevor on his relationship with Trent Baalke and where things stand in terms of him uh, expecting contract extension talks to get underway. We have a little bit better communication than, <laughs> than glances the whole way up. <laughs> But no, it's you know, I'm, it's something I'm not I'm not concerned with. Obviously, um, I would love to, to to get a deal done at some point, whether it's this year, next year, who knows? I'm not really worried about that. But obviously, you want to you want to have some security and have you want to make money. You want you want to play and, and, and do as well as you can. But at the same time, um, I know I have a job to do regardless whether I get the extension this year, next year, whenever it is. Um, I have the same job to do. It's not going to change. I got to. I got to prepare myself to be the best player I can be next season, and and take us as far as as we can go. So, I know that that's my job, and that's not going to change. So, I just leave that up to my team and um, our front office and Trent and, and everybody to kind of talk about that and, and figure out what's the best step moving forward for the team first, obviously, and then, then myself as well. You know, you gotta you gotta look out for yourself too. But I understand that there's a lot that goes into it. It's not just about about me and my situation you know we want to put our team in a good good spot to have success moving forward so a lot that goes into it that I'm not even going to think about because it's it's not you know I got to play football I got a job to do and that's not that's not my job look it's a marvelous answer right and I, I think if I'm Trevor's agent I'm like hey 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 you know don't be too public about let's do what's best for the team right like right. you know but I you hear that yeah. and you think of well, Brady took a little bit less. I'm not saying Trevor has to take less. Sure. You know what I mean? But he's at least saying, look, I, man, I could try to step on their necks and get $60 million or whatever, or whatever sure. number it's going to be. Or I want to win Super Bowls right. here as well, and I'm going to get well taken care of. But, John, okay, we talk about if Josh Allen has to play under the franchise tag or gets the franchise tag applied and doesn't get a long-term deal done by the deadline. How does that play in the locker room? Is there any? And I get that Trevor Lawrence has not put himself in the Mahomes category, the Burrow category as of now, right? But is there any negative fallout if Trevor Lawrence doesn't get a contract extension heading into the 2024 season knowing that the Jags are not a team that currently likes to negotiate in season? Would there be any fallout with, in the lock? What amongst players yeah. just going? Ah, oh, man, they're not even taking care of T. Law here. Like, what are we doing? No, I don't think so. Um, the quarterback is such a different beast in terms of the cap 
that I think for the most part players get that that has to be like uh, Mahomes and Burrow, for example, didn't sign until uh, didn't sign their extensions until very late that mm-hmm. off season. So it it usually doesn't fit the normal pace of most contracts anyway, which would get done around March fifteenth. Uh, so I I don't think there would be. Uh, I guess it would depend on how it was couched and how it was presented. If they said, "Hey, we're uh, we couldn't agree on a number that makes sense. There were injuries last year. Uh, it was circumstantial. We want to make sure, but but we're going to get this done. We just have to make the timing right." If that was the spirit of it, which I, I expect it would be, if they don't get a deal done, then I think in terms of the locker room, I don't think that would be a a trigger point. I guess because hey, you say it, like I hear that answer, and it's like part of that is like feels like well, we got to wait and see, if, you know, exactly well, what this deal is going to be worth. Yeah, th- well, I would think they do. Okay, but that but th- that's a little different than the when you say the timing. It's like ah, you know, we, we we had all these other priorities, and it didn't fall into place, and we know we're going to pay Trevor a month. He's going to be one of the highest paid right. guys in the league. It, it's that, and I'm not saying that you can speak for Trent Baalke sure. in the front office, but that approach to me, Tone, sounds like all right. Well, you know, well, it's, it's you been know, pretty it, good, but I let's know, see I think, yeah. one more year. I think Burrow, Mahomes, Herbert, these guys. There was no doubt something was going to get done. Yeah, right. And I think Trevor Lawrence has that feel around him that there's no doubt something's going to get done at some point between the team and Trevor. What exactly that's going to look like? I do wonder if I I tend to agree. I don't think Trevor getting the deal done or not this offseason creates a pressure point in the locker room. What does how Josh Allen and his deal works out? How much pressure does that create in the locker room, whether it be a long term extension or the franchise tag and what that would mean for him even being in the building until training camp. Yeah, well, I I would expect that if a long-term deal didn't get done, he probably wouldn't be in the building through training camp. He yeah. wasn't in the building until OTA or until the mandatory, yeah. mandatory camp anyway. So I would expect that even if he gets a long-term deal done, I think that would be his approach because it worked for him last year. Is that, you know, It could be, or it could be like, hey, uh, Josh, as a – kind of final thing here we'd like you to show up and be a team leader you know some of that stuff that I I, I don't think that's an unreasonable ask and I think uh, you know on his side because I always go by the letter of the CBA if he decides hey you know I'm gonna do what I think is best for me I'm not gonna fault him for it and I I just have zero problem with a guy who doesn't I mean I've always gone by the letter of CBA too if these guys are training if they're doing something they feel is getting is getting them ready uh I, you know, would you feel the same about the quarterback? No, it's different. Okay, see, well, it's a, I think it had an impact. The CBA doesn't say yeah, it's different. I think it had an impact this year. Josh Allen wasn't voted a team captain, right? Right, and I think his absence throughout yeah. the offseason had some impact on that. Like, I don't think there were a bunch of guys that, if you went and asked them in the room, who are the two, three best players on defense for the team? I think Josh Allen's name would be coming out of everyone's mouth, yeah, right, on that side of the ball going into the season, but wasn't voted a team captain. Right. Roy was here every day. You know how when, important is that to Josh Allen, though? I, I think know. it's more important for him to be ready. Right, yeah. That's what I'm saying, right? Like I, I'm asking it kind of, yeah, you know, hypothetically. Yeah. Like I don't know the answer right. to that, and yeah. I don't think that the team captain thing even matters all that much, right? You know, like it, it obviously didn't impact his play, right? You know, not being the team captain, the whole team knew this is the best guy we got on. But the it's, side again, of the ball. it's this—you get into this realm where like all these guys 
make an absurd amount of money. All of them, mm-hmm. right? I mean, even the last guy on the roster sure. makes compared to the public at large. So y- you do get into these things of slights and how it plays, and you know, take it, care of your guys. If, if Josh yeah. Allen gets, let's say, a a five year deal, averaging twenty five million a year. I don't know, right? Whatever it is, that right, might sure. be that might be in the ballpark, right? Let's say it's five years, one hundred twenty-five million, whatever. Um, is the highest-paid player on this roster easily an average annual salary? Um, coming off a season where he was clearly the the most valuable player on this team, set franchise records, uh, has been a good citizen, has always expressed his desire to be in Jacksonville and be a part of what's happening here, all these things. So and walk that walk. He walked like done it everything. Sure. Right? Done everything. But if he doesn't show up to all the extra stuff, the voluntary stuff, does he get named a captain? Does he not? And and is that perceived in a, a negative way by anybody? Uh I guess my perspective is different. Except for Peyton Manning, the best players on the Colts rarely showed for OTAs. Okay. When I was there. And were they so, all being named captains? They were well? captains, but they were Reggie Wayne, Marvin Harrison, Edger, and I James. understand that. So, I mean, does, so does, but does it matter? And, and that yeah. was that circumstance in that locker room. Right. I'm just wondering in this locker yeah. room, if we say, hey, man, if you franchise tag Josh Allen, I mean, these players are going to say, what an insult to guarantee him $22 million, which is, you know, yeah. kind of silly, but okay. I mean, that narrative the way is it out works. there. Yeah. Right. That, so then if you go, all right, now what does this guy have to do? Where you're going to pay him 25 million a year, but he's not good enough to be to wear the C on his chest. Like you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I just wonder. I mean, it's not the mo- the most important thing sure. to me. I think at the point, if Josh Allen gets a long term deal done, everyone's going to breathe a big sigh right. of relief, and it's not going to matter in yep. in the big picture. Yeah. I'm just curious about yeah. You know, at the I margins. may be a dinosaur on that. I just it's never bothered me when it, it, from a distance when Fred and Mojo didn't show up for the off season program. Yeah, you performed during the season. And, it's never bothered me, but I get your the, point. Yeah, right, I'm not. To, I'm not stumping yeah. for him to to be named or not be named. I'm just yeah. wondering what the reaction would it, is uh, among some of his teammates. I, I, I'll. I would guess after the season he had, I would guess he would still be named captain. But that's Probably. that's what. If, what if he's guess. what if he's franchise tagged, and they don't sign him to an extension, and he goes through the same off season anyway. You know, like it's it's well, that's a good point. Yeah, you know what I mean. I don't know. There's this. I think de- he probably would be, but that's in the end. Does it really matter? Yeah, I have probably a sixty percent feel for that. You know, maybe maybe we shouldn't guess. name him a captain because you saw what happened. He sure. went out there and set records for the team. Hey, yeah. Josh, be pissed off. Yeah. I would say even though he wasn't named a captain, he still felt like a captain uh, in yes. terms of I'm locker sure. room oh, leadership. And, all absolutely. That. So. But so then, then the question is, how much does that even matter? Right, I mean, it's a nice yeah. kind of thing to be respected by yeah. your your peers and your coaching staff and things like that. And the guys vote on it, right? Or in that, yes. So yeah. I guess the guys vote on. Be it. interesting. Uh, all right, uh, so we'll, we'll come back and let's take a look a little bit deeper at today's question of the day: Calvin Ridley versus Cam Robinson, the relative values to this team based on what we know right now. And that's the thing: we don't know everything. We don't know what the Jags' plan will be in free agency, but when it comes to managing this roster's salary cap, if it came down to keeping one, and you knew you could keep one, and you know this going in, you're going to keep Cam, you're going to keep Ridley. Which one are you keeping? Because then you have to plan for how you make up for the other one's absence, and uh, we'll discuss that on the other side. Johnny O has joined us in studio, 641-1010 on the All-Pro Roofing phone lines. If you'd like to get in, this is Jaguars Today on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. I don't want to see me 
Oh, no. With Jaguars.com's John Osher. Brought to you by Kingfish Pest Control. Proud partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars on 1010XL. And we're just talking about the legacy of Patrick Mahomes on the break there um, a moment ago and how, you know, when guys make it to a certain point in the postseason over and over and over again, you just feel, like, they can do it. Why can't we do that? It seems to be easy, right? It's not that easy. Right. right, and the greats—that's what make them the greats. We're talking about, you know, Aaron Rodgers been to one Super Bowl. He won it, but he's been to one, you know. And, and you look at his numbers, and you look at his efficiency numbers. Yeah, one of the greatest quarterbacks, easily. The numbers will tell you Rodgers was one of the ten greatest quarterbacks without mm-hmm. question in the history of the league. Um, he's got one ring, right? Dan Marino made it to one right. Super Bowl. Others never won. The big one, maybe. Bouts, the, great players. Bouts. Yeah. Jim Kelly made it to a right. bunch, never never won it. There are plenty of examples out there. So, you know, like, why can't our team be that team? It's hard to be that team. That doesn't mean you shouldn't strive to be that team. And what do we – we always hear, why do we do this throughout the season? Why, mm-hmm. why do the Jags do X? Or, man, they didn't even show up when they played this team, right? right. They got no heart. Why so, – reading this story with comments – Yesterday to Sean Gibson, a former Jag safety who's playing for San Francisco sure. yeah. now. Steve Wilkes, our defensive coordinator, after the game, said that the effort level was unacceptable. The effort level in the NFC championship game. They didn't try hard enough. Yeah. Right? You say like you're not you don't buy I don't really, it? I don't really buy that. Okay. It, I think sometimes coaches say that sort of thing to motivate. You know. Anyway. All right. Well, that's what he put out there. Gibson said. Gibson said he agreed with the assessment and that they were lucky to advance and it won't be an issue again. You're probably right. There is probably some embellishment in it, but to even have that, to have a coach be able to say that with a straight face, like you know, if what you're doing in the locker room, if you're like, the hell is this coach talking about? You know, like. We're not trying. What, what game right. is he watching, right? So if he's going to have credibility, he can't go too far with this. My my point being, here is a coaching yeah. staff and player on a team that's going to be playing in the Super Bowl saying their very most recent game. What the hell did we do? How did we get here? And like you would think, how is there any extra motivation needed? A, to play in the National Football League when your career is so short and you only have so right. many opportunities. But here in the postseason, a game away from the big one. It's not like San Fran, this version of the Niners, has won a bunch of these right. rings. They've been around it. it yeah, I, I, uh, my guess is that's probably degrees. I, I don't know. I, I, uh, I have trouble with that one. I have, I have trouble buying that. But All right, that's fine. closer to me. Uh, Gibson said the me. film was hard to watch. You had to see it. You had to hear some choice words. It's not our brand of football. We're a lot better than we showed. I, I believe that, mm-hmm. right? And and you wonder, like, when you say effort, is right. it was the guy jogging? I doubt that, right? But was he mentally focused yeah. on like like the the signal came in and like we practiced this all week, right? And I don't know if that's how you define that. Is it effort or not being sharp or whatever the case may be? Yeah, I would I would buy it. If, if they were saying they weren't sharp, if they maybe were not quite on the same page. Even if, that, though. Okay, they, how does that happen? Right? I, Kyle Shanahan's been to the Super Bowl before. Right. He's supposed to be, the, you know, we're, we sit here 
That doesn't happen totally. They're all not on the same page. Calvin Ridley and Trevor Lawrence not on the same page. Two guys on defense in the same gap. What what the hell's going on? Yeah. Where's his coaching staff? Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, it, the, the point being, it happens. Right. You know, right. and when you aren't, when you don't, when you win, everything gets pushed down. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, okay, yeah. that may be true last week, but we're in the Super Bowl. Right. Yeah, and, and we think, were that way with the Jags. I think coaches have pretty similar takes on this stuff when they happen, right? Like Caldwell this year said that was imposters out there. Mm-hmm. You know, after yeah. one of those games, yeah. it's like, no, it wasn't. That was you. Right. You know, like everyone knows that was you, but that's the kind of thing that right. you say as a coach to this is this can't happen again. Like that's a coach's way of saying this can't happen again. That's kind of what that feels like to me. It's like, no, we, we're, you haven't seen the best of it here recently. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, we still want to get to Ridley v. Robinson, if you could only have one, but let's let Tony take us on a quick tour around the rest of the National Football League. Now, Gems Around the NFL, brought to you by Beaches Jewelry and Pawn in Jack's Beach. Kansas City has not ruled out guard Joe Tooney or running back Jarek McKinnon for Sunday, but head coach Andy Reid did not sound optimistic about either's availability on Tuesday. Reid said that it is a long shot that Tooney will even be able to practice at all this week and added that McKinnon still isn't practicing as they work to get him back from a core muscle injury that he had surgery for about a month ago. They did open the practice window for McKinnon creating the opportunity for him to be activated and able to play Sunday, but it seems unlikely as of now. Indianapolis Colts owner Jim Irsay sent out a message on X on Tuesday saying, quote, on the mend, grateful for all the messages of love and support. Irsay was being treated for a severe respiratory illness. According to a statement put out by the team on January 9th, on December 8th, he was found unresponsive in his home and what responding authorities described as a suspected overdose all right thank you tony uh just looking at where the poll stands right now uh it's tightened up a little bit uh about 10 points separating calvin ridley getting about 55 percent of the vote to about 45 percent for cam robinson uh, the question if the jacksonville jaguars had to choose between retaining calvin ridley and cam robinson which one would you want them to keep we stole that question from uh, mcmanus's podcast yesterday over 450 votes on that uh, so far, so it's going to lean in Ridley's direction. Usually, this many votes in, we're not going to get a change in the leader, no matter uh, how much you keep voting throughout the course of the day. But we'll see where the final numbers come in on that. So let's hit our final pause here, and when we return, let's debate the pros and cons of Robinson v. Ridley and see if we can't come up with our own decision on that. And look, granted, there are a lot of moving pieces to this, right? If you release Cam. What do you think you can do with that $16 million? How much of that $16 million goes directly to Calvin Ridley? What else are you doing to address your offensive line regardless either way? What are you doing to address your receiver core and you've got other needs? Uh, all these are questions that Trent Baalke and the front office are going to have to answer uh, in a hurry with the start of the league year marching ever closer towards us. This is Jaguars Today, Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith. Johnny O and Dylan Denmark on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Nobody knows the Jags like Johnny O. Oh, knows. Brought to you by Kingfish Pest Control. Proud partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. On 1010XL. You don't like this? It's fine. I'm just trying to figure you out, Pockets. I, I just, I, I don't know. Like, is, is there a reason for this? Or just... no? I just, 
Honest to goodness, I just see decent music in the system. And I just go, all right, I'm playing and this. And you passed it by to play this. Yes. All right, that's fine, which is all right. I don't care. It's fine. I almost really, played Alan Jackson early. I was like, eh, not right now. I don't care that much, honestly. Um, not that much. I care enough to comment about it, or at least mm-hmm. care enough to go, hmm, that's an interesting yeah. choice. Like, I know this is Britney Spears. Yeah. I don't know who the last one was. Uh, I don't either. Yeah. No, but I, I'm trying to I keep knew, my mouth I, 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 It two, was who? Dua Lipa. Dua Lipa. Okay. Yeah. Like, I was like, is he playing Taylor Swift? I don't know any Taylor Swift either. So, like, is, is he playing Taylor Swift? I'm not going to say it in case it isn't. But I'm like, the old man now, John. I, I see all these people. I, I've seen Dua Lipa on SNL. That, like, that's the only time. Like, And I know SNL is like old people, yeah. you know, skit comedy, whatever. But that's where I see younger artists, yeah. if I'm going to see them at all. And usually I see these younger people, and I'm like, huh. Okay. Who did you say you saw? Like, what, it- Dua Lipa. Yeah, you never heard of Dua Lipa? I have not. Really? D U A L I P A. Dua Lipa. No IPA. Okay. I've I've had a couple IPAs. L I P A. All right, just say okay. like I, I don't know anything uh, like other than I know the name Dua Lipa. I've seen her, heard her perform. Okay. Nothing, and that's fine if you like it. Right. Y- yeah. You like old Britney? You can like old Britney. I just thought it was a curious <laughs> choice there by uh, Young Pockets. Like I try to. Like on the young some of the pockets, stuff, like old Britney. I guess. I okay. mean, just like the dual leap of thing. Like I, I keep my mouth shut because I. What point is it to bring up that I don't know who that is yeah. again? Right. You know, I'm, I'm aging out yeah. as whoever the days enjoys go it. By. Hope you enjoy it. Cool. That's fine. All right, uh, we've wasted enough time on that already. Uh, so uh, let me say uh, again tomorrow. A lot about Freddie T. So if you don't want to make a an induction pitch for Freddie T tomorrow. Just call up your favorite Freddie T memory. It's going to be all very Fred Taylor-centric as we try to send some good vibes out to Las Vegas to get him across the finish line and get him inducted along with his former teammate Tony Baselli as the second Jag in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. You know, maybe you get Freddie in and who knows, right? Maybe right. Jimmy starts to get a little bit more consideration as the years should. go by. I, right. I mean, imagine if Jimmy just stuck around for another three years, yeah. which, which receivers typically do. Right, you know sure. what was it? Thirty four, I think, is when he he left. Was well, it? he was still a thousand yard receiver? Yes, I, mean, yeah. I know, like yeah. three three thousand more yards on top. I mean, he's got enough already. Sure. But yeah, he had three thousand more on top of that. If 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 people, and this is Fred's week, but if people voters would take the time to go back and look at Jimmy's peak years, it's uh, it's very Mike Evans ish. I mean. And I say that as a con- like no, I I know what you're saying. Yards, like I, I don't know, if, like I don't think of him as that type of receiver. But yes, I mean in terms of the consistency, yeah. no question about it. Twelve hundred, thirteen hundred, nearly twelve hundred, sixteen hundred, twelve hundred, nearly fourteen hundred, thousand, eight hundred, uh, and that was in twelve games. Twelve games, right? Yeah. Twelve games. So eleven seventy two and a thousand twenty three. He played at a pace at thirty six. He played through his thirty. So maybe he didn't have. Too many more, but probably one. I mean, touchdowns hurt him. Uh, not an incredible amount of touchdowns. No, for, but uh, that was sort of well. A, what hurt him as much as anything didn't play his first three years. Is he didn't he had two hundred eighty eight yards before he hit the age of twenty seven? Yeah. yeah. Trevor Lawrence is twenty four. He's got three full seasons right. under his belt. You right. know, I know different position, but just as an yeah. example, come on. Because he didn't play. He what? He had two truncated seasons in Dallas, was out a year, and then didn't play that much in 95 here. So, yeah. 
All right, and 95, he had 288 receiving yards yeah. on 22 catches. Four years at the start of his career. Yeah, so. Right, and 92, 93, 94 complete wipeouts. Right. Did, out of the NFL entirely in 94. It's amazing. It is yeah. amazing. And 27-year-old Jimmy Smith put together a Hall of Fame resume, basically starting from scratch yeah. at that point. You take those 288 out, John, from the age 27 season on, he had 11,999 right. yards. Like, yeah. I, uh, what? You give him 600 yards those three years, and he's probably in. Yeah, I wonder how many guys have had more yardage in that age range, like from or, 27 to 36. I bet or, not that many. Or even in a 10-year period. Like, yeah. you give him. Right, if you give somebody say, well, 21 to 31 guy. or whatever. Right. A 10-year period. He, he was, uh, and it wasn't just numbers. He, he was good. He was hard to cover. It said everything you wanted. All right, Jimmy Smith, Calvin Ridley, different guys. Calvin Ridley would love to be considered as good as Jimmy Smith sure. career-wise one day. Uh, he's the focus of our question of the day. So, Pockets, won't you fire up today's 10-10 take? 10-10. 10-10 take. Now, Mike Dempsey's 10-10 take. Brought to you by Leonard Truck Accessories. All right, I'm going to put aside for the debate between Calvin Ridley and Cam Robinson – what I'm going to do with all this money I'm going to save from Cam Robinson, right? Because I have to presume, like, if you don't have Calvin Ridley, the money you're not paying Calvin Ridley, you're going to have that same money to spend elsewhere. This comes down to who is more easily replaceable, I think, th- to me, right? Because, you're, yes, you're going to save money if you don't owe us $16 more million if we don't have Cam. Well, but then you're going to have to apply that at least that much probably mm-hmm. to Calvin Ridley. So, Or may- maybe let's say the cap hit would be about the same. Right now, you've got... Two guys that if I had to play on opening day with on either combination, left to right, right to left, Anton Harrison and Walker Little, I know I can do that mm-hmm. right now without adding another piece. Now, that doesn't mean I feel like I've got the depth that's necessary right. to withstand a whole season. Yeah. But if I don't have Calvin Ridley yeah. right now, like in this calculation either way, we may or may not have Zay Jones on this team. Because, again, just to franchise tag Josh Allen, and you know this, guys. I'm not trying to Mm -hmm. say it like you don't. But just to franchise tag him, you're going to have to create more cap space than you currently have. Just to apply the tag right now. So you're going to have to make these calculations on these other guys regardless. I think Cam is good. I don't think he's great. I think Ridley was good. I don't think he was great. Does he have a higher ceiling at this point? I think Cam is pretty much who we've seen him to be. Mm -hmm. There's value in having that at left tackle, but he's also been a guy who gets banged up a little bit every single year. I, I mean, I if I could find a way to make it work to have them both, I'm not kicking either one of them off the team, but if I had to make the choice right now without knowing what other moves they're going to make, I, I've got to go with Ridley, I think, over Cam, Tony. Yeah, I would go with Ridley over Cam, too, and I would add to all of that, it's not an argument for them to not address offensive line. No, no, not you at know? all. Like no, that's, no. that's not the point of they do have guys in the building that can play left and right tackle for them, so they don't need to worry about it. It's an argument of it's easier to replace Cam Robinson because the replacements potentially are on the roster than it is to replace Calvin Ridley, who there is no replacement for on the roster, and there is no easy path to quickly replacing him in free agency. I think they do have options on the offensive line behind Cam Robinson, so it would make sense to me to save the money to put that towards whatever you want to put it towards. And maybe that would be to bringing somebody else in. What if as it's an Robert offensive- Hunt of Miami, right? Yeah. Like, the first, you know, for instance, maybe it'll be Ezra Cleveland resigning here, but yeah. Hunt is a guy who profiles – 
as the exact type of guard that they want. Athletic mover, all this stuff. Young uh, has been a very high-level player. Yeah. And so maybe you take that $16 million save on Cam and you apply it to him. Well, it's not like you couldn't keep Cam and then instead of paying all that money to Ridley, you go out and you try to apply it to your offensive line. That's sure. fine. But, all right, now what does your wide receiver core look like? Looks like Christian Kirk. Looks like Christian Kirk. Maybe. Zay Jones, Zay, iffy. Yeah. Beyond that, nothing that right. I feel comfortable with. Right. Tim Jones, Elijah Cooks, I don't want to hear any of that. Uh, Jamal Agnew's not on this roster, at least not right now. You know, Don't know if he'll be back, John. How big of a need, even if they do bring back Ridley? Let's say Ridley's back on a three-year deal. Where does wide receiver rank for you? And, or maybe not rank, but how on a scale of 1 to 10, how much do they still need to address that group? You'd like to see them. For immediate, maybe not extreme priority, but you'd, you'd sure like to see them. When I say immediate, I mean an immediate 900-yard guy who's in that range. But you sure would like to see him get a second or third rounder who can be good and a frontline guy by his second year, right? So I think they've got to draft somebody who is going to turn into a big-time player for them. They need to draft that position and draft it well. There might be a second or third rounder who develops. Right, that's the thing, too. You know, guys do hit faster, but – there are only a handful of those guys yeah. that do that. I'm not. I'm not a. I don't trust generally a young wide receiver to come in and be great right away. It happens, but it's. I think it's hard. Right, and for all the people, we like. Yes, there are good options out there. Like, would we rather have maybe Mike Evans or T. Higgins? You have no. Sure. You have some say, but it's very limited say over those guys. You can have all the say you want, but they can still say no. Correct. Right, I mean, so you can influence their decision by how aggressively you pursue them. You can't influence how many other teams decide to pursue them. You can't influence whether they even make it to free agency. So, granted, there are other paths to fill in. And would I rather have a younger T. Higgins who's played with Trevor? Yeah, Yeah. absolutely, I would. Um, Find me the team out there that wouldn't Mm -hmm. want T. Higgins. I get emails occasionally talking about what you just said. Tell me why they wouldn't sign... He Higgins in free agency. Because he might choose to go somewhere right. else. I mean, yeah. right. I mean, they would sign him. Sure. Tell me why in the world they wouldn't do this. Well, well because it's – Right, and here's here's another reason why T. Higgins is going to cost a lot more, I yeah. would think. Right. I mean, I think he would cost a lot more. Yeah. There's a difference between they would, they will, and they can. Sure. They'd right? like, like to. But obviously, if T. Higgins becomes a free agent, he's going to be maybe the hottest free agent on the market. Right, like if he actually hits free agency, likely to be the hottest free agent, actually to hit the market. So why wouldn't they at least franchise him? Right, if they can't. It doesn't make any sense for right. them not to. Right, right. Like it, it felt like that's the direction they wanted to go. Right, we're going to figure out a long term deal with T. Higgins. He had an up and down season because of a bunch of injuries, so it makes sense for them to we're going to use the franchise tag and try to right. extend the window for us to figure out what exactly this is going to be into the future, while we can still do that and keep Jamar at a relatively cheap price for now, for one more year we can do this game, and then we got to figure out exactly what yeah. we want to do with both these guys. But why wouldn't you? If, you? if you're in the shoes of a Bengals fan, you'd be saying, why is anyone else even talking about Higgins? No way are we not using the franchise tag on this guy. 
0% chance we're not at least using the franchise tag on this guy for a year. That's how you'd feel if you were a Bengals fan. That's what I assume is going to happen. That's how you might feel, but, you know, we'll have to see if that's within the realm of reality for them, too. I mean, they, you know, like, when Trent Baalke gets asked about Josh Allen, he goes, he didn't say, oh, I'm not going to talk about the future. He says, oh, yeah, he'll be here for sure, right? When... The GM up in Cincinnati gets asked about T. Higgins. He's like, well, we, we'd like to have him back, but we also, you know, understand we got a big contract coming for Jamar Chase, and right. let's see how it goes. So, you know, a little bit less definitive uh, as far as that all works out. All right. Uh, so, uh, with that, uh, let's uh, hold for some final thoughts as we welcome an XL Primetime. I'm told out at the Peterbrook Chocolatier today. So, let's do it. Now, the two-minute drill brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers. Equal opportunity employer. Mia O'Brien is shopping for chocolate for me. What's up, Mia? How are you? The rumors are true. We are in Sawgrass Village, not the town center location. However, for February 7th to the 11th, you could stop by any of their Jacksonville area locations. That includes Amelia Island, Fleming Island, and St. Augustine. You mentioned the keyword Vegas, and you will receive a special treat with a purchase at any Peterbrook Chocolatier in our area. All right, so what are you guys getting into on the show today? Oh, well, uh, first and foremost, I want to get into these large stuffed chocolate footballs they're selling at Peterbrook, Mike. I actually just took a video of it. They have another option where there's popcorn inside of it, so we're going to dive into that, of course. Uh, Of course, we will dive in as it's a Wednesday with Dr. George Bari joining us on remote, as well as everything in the world of the Jaguars and the college football ranks, especially, you know, with all this talk. I know Matt Hayes penned a great column for Saturday Down South today of the, the Big Ten and the SEC. Could they break away? entirely from college football across the board and building off of the conversation you guys have with regards to Calvin Ridley, Josh Allen, Cam Robinson. Uh, I'm not going to reference the game that kids play uh, when there's three options and you could do three things, um, but it kind of feels like you're in a situation of sign, cut, tag. How about that? How does that sound, Mike Dempsey? Uh, sure. I'm trying to think how they match up with the other game, but uh, yeah, I, we're I, not going to play I got, that game. I got 22 hours to figure it out before I'm <laughs> okay. back. All right, Mia, have a great show. Yep, take care. We appreciate it. All right, tomorrow a lot about uh, how do we get Freddie T into the Hall of Fame. And let's assume that at some point Fred Taylor and Jimmy Smith even get in, right? I I say Jimmy Smith even as if he's an afterthought, but he hasn't gotten as far as Fred has in the process. But the number – like Jimmy obviously has the next best Hall of Fame case of any former Jaguar if you're not counting Torrey Holt, right? I mean, you know, in terms of a guy who spent the primary portion of his career. Who – if they all three get in, who's the next Jag that'll make it? I think it's somebody who hasn't put up the numbers yet. Because I don't think there's another – I don't think Maurice Jones-Drew gets into the no, Hall of I Fame. No. You know? I, I don't think Keenan McCardo gets in the Hall of Fame or, no. or any of these – no matter how many years the probably, Veterans yeah, Committee is yeah, around. It's probably TBD. Right. I mean, meaning – Is it Trevor Lawrence? Like, does he have the best case? Is it Josh – does he – Who's who's got the best, Yeah. you know – position right now that you think uh yeah could Place. go anyway something we'll discuss uh tomorrow what's what's cooking over with the mailbag and all that stuff uh Calais, maybe right no yeah. Calais. is he can't, i doubt I it yes but i think if like if you went in in a uniform he'd go in as a cardinal yeah right, right. like I, a guy i that i think most of the nfl world would identify as a primary right. jaguar yeah you know but sure. i do think jacksonville would claim him Oh, like, sure we would. Like Jaguars fans sure would, would certainly yeah. celebrate sure Clay as getting yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, anyway. All right. So, um, uh, mailbag's going great. Uh, next week we start up our shows again, our our, our streaming shows. Uh, Tuesday, Jaguars AM. So we're looking forward to that. All right, John. Thanks. Uh, good to see you as well. And uh, we got McManus on Friday, but tomorrow is a big focus on Fred Taylor. One day closer to Super Bowl Fifty Eight. Uh, XL Primetime's coming your way next. So for Tony Smith, John Osher, and Dylan Denmark, I'm Mike Dempsey. Thanks for listening to Jaguars today. Back at it again tomorrow from 10 to noon here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM.